Welcome to On The Couch with James Field and Ian Harris. It's episode 115 for the 7th of September, 2009. Okay, hi Ian, how's it going? It's going very well, James. Here we are on the couch for number 115. Indeedy. So uh, here we are on the couch. We're going to be talking about our standard eclectic mix with uh, new stories about uh, business in the world of digital media. What's um, happening uh, in technology, content delivery, uh, mobile stuff, uh, gaming, and other, other stuff, which stuff. seems to have a bit of a cyclical theme, um, <laughs> as usual. But uh, Indeed. There we go. So let's get on our bikes and ride. Um <laughs> What's been it? Well, I've been uh, on the business side. I guess I've been mm. to to IFA, which um, I'm still not quite sure what it stands for. It's like the International Funkerstellen something. How is your German these days? <laughs> ein uh, das ist gut. I did eat mm-hmm. a Berliner. You know when Kennedy got up and said "Ich bin ein Berliner," mm. and it means like a jam donut. <laughs> I did actually cool. have one of those. I thought I, you, know, you, can't, <laughs> you can't go to Berlin and not have ein Berliner, so I did. Right. Um, as well as lots of other yummy German food. But essentially, IFA turns out to be the world's largest consumer electronic show. Um, Isn't that, I thought that was CES, or am well, I wrong? There's, you know, there's statistics and there's lies, but basically, <laughs> IFA is, is actually consumers can go, so, you know, punters can go. So it's the first trade show I've been to where there's been push chairs. Which is Push a bit, or buggies, or what do they call them? Strollers. Oh, oh. Strollers for you American <laughs> listeners right, out there. Right. Uh-huh. Um, which is a bit bizarre. Um, wow. And I, I just got back yesterday. We're recording this on a Monday. So essentially, uh, the weekend it was pretty crazy with lots of. Mm, uh, I can imagine. You know, little kids and stuff running around. Um, and it's so, quite consumer oriented. So there's like shows and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really an opportunity for the consumer electronics retailers of the world to sort of showcase. Mm their stuff so there's sort of a major um audio video mm-hmm. um but there's you know washing machines refrigerators vacuum oh, cleaners wow. whole halls full of coffee machines um <laughs> fantastic most bizarro um and a few you, you know you see any kind of like, technology themes coming out of all that well I, t- I sent you an email of that apple tv i saw well was, exactly uh, there was an apple I don't TV know, we didn't get them the show notes maybe we should <laughs> i'll put a link in it's uh, yeah it, it was, was quite a revelation Taiwanese places where they had lots of uh, hired help dressed up in bright green mini skirts Fantastic. sitting on motorbikes and then wow. these bizarre TVs mm-hmm. one of which was an Apple TV wow and uh, did I send you the Apple Mini? the Apple Mini? yeah they had a mini Apple TV as well no so uh, <laughs> fantastic any association with Apple is purely coincidental <laughs> um, so, but yeah uh, interesting show um, similar in in theme if you will, to uh-huh. CES, uh, but obviously they tend to have the you know the business deals are done behind the scenes, so they have like a dealers and, and agents right. only and buyers. Um, but uh, no, just an iteration, I think, on mm-hmm. product cycles and development. So there are a few new things, but uh, I was chained to my little booth, so I didn't mm-hmm. get to see very much. But uh, sort of a few bits and bobs, which I'll hopefully touch on later. So you've got some news about. Um, Telenet trying to do something to sort of preempt piracy. Is that right? Yeah. So we have a, a Belgian uh, cable operator called Telenet who mm-hmm. uh, and has uh, was planning on offering US TV 
episodes on its VOD platform within about 48 hours of the show's appearing on American television. The idea mm. there being obviously that uh, if you can do it within a couple of days, then people are less likely to get it down off the torrents and... Uh, uh, exactly. I, I didn't quite sort of get this. I mean, it suggests that if they're planning on doing it, does that mean they've got the rights to do it? Clearly they announced they were going to mm. do it, but then mm. couldn't get the rights. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think they announced they were going to do it. They talked to the right people and then the other broadcasters within, um, uh, within well... Belgium. <laughs> Belgium. <laughs> um, presumably put some pressure on them and said, look, you, know, you, just, you just can't do this. It's going to hurt our businesses generally. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, once they watched it on the VOD platform, then they're not going to watch it on normal TV. So they said to the, I guess the owners, the company owners said, well, you know, your gross takings are going to be lower. Yeah. So Don't overall, everyone's going to lose. So That's weird, isn't it? Mm. So, I mean, I, I applaud them for, for trying to look at different ways to solve the problem uh, and not just say... But surely that, that sounds to me a little bit anti-competitive. You can't say, oh, but they're not allowed to buy the content because we we know we'll watch it on our channels yeah, yeah exactly i'm uh, i mean presumably i'm they sure there's get more the to the story but um <laughs> if you know any more do send us some feedback yeah um, if you're uh, if you're feedback watching on the couch it, podcast great. Com. yeah indeed um so oh and this is quite interesting this this story about um canadians trying to catch up um mm-hmm. which is I, i'd heard about this before that you know in the from the advent of um the uh, mini cassette and mini disc and in fact CDRs mm-hmm. in Canada they for some bizarre reason managed to get some um, recording tax on all mm-hmm. those products so I guess no one buys them in Canada um, <laughs> well um, the, 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 yeah, that's, that's one I speak to so it's been on blank, blank media for a while but now they're proposing to actually put, uh, put a tax on iPods and other sort of MP3 players with the idea that people who have got these devices are pirating them uh, pirating content and listening to them on these devices. So, uh, I mean, the, this this organisation, the Canadian Private Copying Collective, um, <laughs> the CPCC, isn't that also an, uh, something to do with the um, <clears throat> the p- major political party in Russia? <laughs> it could well be. I'm sure it is. You, you're, you're a Russian <laughs> resident expert, aren't you? The CPCC. It does sound like a bit kind of mafia-ish, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they've collected $160 million uh, and paid it out to more than 100,000 songwriters, recording artists, and music publishers and record companies. Mm. Now, my question about these things is always, okay, that's fine, but how do they know which songwriters to go to, uh, which recording artists, which music publishers? Because, um, you know, as far as I'm aware, pirates don't kind of fill in the, you know, the monthly, yep, I played these things on my um, MP3 player type forms that uh, radio stations have to do. Yeah, maybe there's and, some uh, sort of, you know, I know for sure that, long tail uh, distribution you just register and if you get if they assume the more popular are the more money you'll get but uh. yeah but you know I, I mean uh, as far as uh, the CPCC is concerned I've never got a check from them you know as a as a music writer so uh, yeah, but have you registered maybe that's it <laughs> maybe I should and they're just going to spontaneously send me money they'd be send great. you the 20 cent check so. <laughs> well the CPCC says that the cash flow will dry up if the Canadian law doesn't uh, get with the times I mean, I would imagine that, you know, it's like U2 makes a a few hundred thousand, but everyone else is getting peanuts, I'd imagine. Yeah, probably 10 cents. 160 million is a fair amount of cash. It'd be all Celine Dion if it's uh, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, I don't know. How many other famous Canadian artists can you name? Um, 
Ah, the uh, the Bare Naked Ladies, great band, oh, okay. great yeah, band. Yeah. yeah, but that's about all. Uh, so they're planning on lever- le- levying a fee based on the size of your uh, device. Your drive. A four gig iPod that'll have a smaller fee than the thirty two. Do you think they'll sting Spotify with a fee for streaming music? I'm sure they already have tried. <laughs> I did hear that some um, someone this week had made a plug in for Spotify enabling you to record everything. Oh, nice! Because <laughs> exactly. Spotify's one of those kind but of. We're at pains to point out this was nothing to do with them. Obviously, <laughs> it was right. Because uh, clearly, that's not really what they're all about. No, no, of course um, not. So Spotify is this. Uh, it's like Last FM and uh, Pandora. It plays kind of streaming music like a radio. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, and I don't know if they've got the drop on everyone else, or the, but the rates are better. Or I think you get a free service for free, and you can pay for premium and make your own playlists and stuff. So, right. Um, haven't used it myself, so cannot endorse it. But I, I think but they've got an, an iPhone app and an Android yeah, app coming out. Yeah, an so. app's just been released for the iPhone. So that's that's an interesting development. But it's driving subscriptions, so I guess you get you know a free thing, right. and then if you pay more, maybe it's an in, you know one of these uh-huh. upgrade apps or something like that. So mm, cool. That's cool. Um, in the technology news here in the UK, I see you've um, picked up a snippet that the um, high definition service is going to be tested in November. I guess that's from a, a broadcasting side again. Yeah, mm-hmm. so making sure that the actual HD does the right kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think normal people can see it just yet, but uh, we'll be able to, if you know what you're doing, presumably you'll be able to get uh, HD content. Well, I thought one of the problems here was there was no none of these DVB-T2 tuners around. So uh, that's exactly it. You'll need one of those because it's all <laughs> T2. So as long as you've got your own fab and a little bit of a design, you should be okay. Ah, uh, yes. It's, uh, so DBBT2 is the, is the new modulation standard for getting digital terrestrial content out there. Uh, it's a bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. So you can fit, uh, fit, you can basically fit another uh, HD channel in a multiplex, which is... Yeah, and I guess if, you, if you're doing MPEG-4 as well, then presumably you can yeah. pretty much slot in a high definition channel where a standard definition one was. Yep, exactly. More or less. I mean, uh, I'm guessing there. I must admit, someone please put it right. Uh, I'm so sure it'll be all the rage IBC. This, this. Uh, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure T2 will so. be the the big thing in uh, at IBC. We'll see. Mm. Uh, but uh, interesting to see how how HD is is finally making it into the terrestrial platform. In yeah, the UK. I mean, I'm sure people will launch. You know, people won't launch boxes until next year. But we'll wait and see about that. Yeah, so. you'll need a couple of couple of channels. Mm. But, uh, okay. It's all good. Um, On the fan mail. Yes. So uh, we had a note from Richard Koenig uh, from Half Minute Media. And these are guys that we talked about uh, a few, a little while ago uh, about uh, uh, some technology that they were using to, I don't know if you remember the story, James, but uh, I was sitting in a pub and uh, the ads got switched out. And uh, there weren't the the ads from the actual football match I was watching, but ads that had been substituted and were relevant to the actual pub I was in. All right. Uh, so the guys from Half Minute Media who actually make this kit um, have written to us and said, "Ah, that was us." Uh, <laughs> and uh, and they don't just do pubs; they do fitness clubs, restaurants, um, etc. And they use a fast digital fingerprint. They don't delay anything, which was we were kind of concerned about when we yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, I mean the the point uh, Richard makes is that uh, they can't delay everything because otherwise it starts getting into the realm of um, 
whether it's a relay or whether you're actually recording it and, and there's mm-hmm. all sorts of copyright reasons uh, that uh, you might want no one to actually uh, record something specifically and then play it out a bit later because, uh, yeah, I can imagine that could be quite complicated. So, yeah, interesting to hear what they're up to. They're in a bunch of countries now, UK, South Africa, Australia, and hopefully a few more soon. So, yeah, it so sounds like if you're a pub or a club owner and you've got time and listen to the podcast, have a take a look at them, www.halfminute.com. Indeed, um, I think uh, Richard would love to hear from you. See how you can make your million advertising in your venue. <laughs> Definitely very yeah. cool technology. Mm. Right, so uh, on the mobile now, and uh, as the uh, some app stores have 65,000 apps and some have 12. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so does Android only have 12? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it has more than 12, but it, yeah. Okay, so d- tell me that this doesn't sound... Okay, tell me what this sounds like. Okay, in search of the new and cool Android applications, Vodafone UK Desperate. has announced... Desperate. <laughs> ...has announced a contest through which it offers a grand prize of £1,000 in cash plus a free HTC phone. Uh, to 10 runners up you don't even have to write an application all you got to do is share your idea for a mobile application to run on the amazing google android platform what was the apple thing was like 100 million in venture capital wasn't it yeah so they're offering ten thousand pounds no thousand pounds just for an idea you don't have to do anything yeah yeah I mean, I've got good ideas. I'm sure I could... I did see some more. quite cool apps at EFA, actually. Some guys, those clever chaps from Fraunhofer doing um, stuff on an HTC Android phone. With, oh, uh, cool. sca- they scanned the barcode on the back of a DVD case and then it came mm-hmm. up with TV recommendations based on that movie and stuff. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you scan- scanned the barcode on the back of a DVD case and it started downloading the video <laughs> from the torrent side. I did say that would be probably be a better application. Just going to the shop, cha-ching, and then, new oh, torrents, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sure that's around. Um, yeah, I'm sure it is. But that's, yeah, yeah, and Android, they probably, you know, there's an app for that, as they say. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll uh, wait and see. Do you know anyone who's got one of these Dick Tracy phones in your uh, uh, you bar hopping? Have you seen anyone trying to impress the girls? I, I the, haven't uh, seen anyone with one of those one of those uh, phones from last episode. I was, I've, I've signed up on the website to see if there's any leftover after the promotion where you actually have to go in store, but that would be very cool. Hmm. I must think I should have probably sort of hunted one down at uh, at EFA. I did see uh, an iPhone at the TomTom stand. There's a big, there's a whole hall for navigation, oh, and they wow. had the iPhone um, mm-hmm. sort of navigation thingy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was in a glass case; you couldn't look at it. Oh, so, that's a bit of a pain. But it appeared to be there. I'm least. really looking forward to that because I'm going to the going to the USS for USS going to the US for work. Uh, mm-hmm. Tomorrow, in fact, and I'll be lugging my TomTom around. If I, you know, I could have it all on my iPhone, I would be very You've happy. got one of these kind of car rental things, haven't you? Does that is yours the one with the iPhone app where you can tap the button and it hoots the horn? No. Do I, do I need one of those? No, there's one. What you've got is it streetcar you've got? Is that? Oh, I've got street, streetcar in the UK. And, yeah, um, but there is some. There's, I think there's another one. Maybe it is streetcar. Yeah, there's zip, a, an the iPhone app where you can actually ah, use right. the phone yeah, yeah. to unlock the car and stuff. I'm with you. This, that's a zip car. And uh, in the US, at least, you can get the iPhone app. You can find your nearest zip car. Yeah. Zip car. You can book it. And I think, yeah, you can even uh, you can open the car with it, which is pretty cool. Well, so you need to switch to zip car. I think car. I need to. That would be very cool. Because uh, obviously it's got the map on it. You can find the nearest car. Um, but uh, you need quite a few cars because I don't know about uh, the US, but in the UK, the streetcars book out pretty quick. So Really? Well, I mean, uh, the zip car is obviously coming in then if there's obviously a, a demand for you. Yeah. 
London's tiny people. Not, yeah, but this whole book on the web thing is so last year when you can book it on your iPhone. I exactly. Mean, come on. Exactly. <laughs> I found my iPhone quite handy in, in Berlin, actually. I was mm. using a, I downloaded a, um, a game, not a game, a guidebook thing, which was mm. telling you what was hip and trendy nearby and where to eat and things like that. So. Oh, that's very handy. Worked for me. Um, so, now, reading through the show notes here, Ian, on the gaming front, mm. there's some exhaustively long thing about latency in gaming, which sounds really exciting. What's all that about? It sounds very techy-gee, doesn't it? But um, it's an article where <clears throat> someone has sat down and tried to work out what the, the lag between you pressing a button in a game and mm-hmm. something changing on screen to, to respond to what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was interested in this because uh, it just, it uh, given that we're still, there's a lot of push in gaming to have as many frames per second as possible because presumably that gives a, the smoothest movement and uh, yep. the most kind of uh, but rich it's, you know, graphics. It's the Twitch games, isn't it? Whether actually anything happens when you hit a button and if it doesn't happen... Yeah. You get nailed, don't you, basically? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and uh, it's just interesting to find out that uh, a lot of games have a lag between you doing something and something else happening is somewhere between 100 and 150 milliseconds. And after about 150 milliseconds, um, which is uh, not, not a very long time, but in, in some contexts it's a long time, it feels like uh, the thing is responding late. It's not, not feeling like it's happening at the same time. Right. And it's like lip sync on video. You know, if that's yeah, yeah, exactly. out by a similar period of time, you just think, hey, something wacky's going something, on here. Something's going on. Even to be, lip sync is a, you're even less tolerant. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, well, I mean, there's, there's different different areas where it makes a, make, makes a bit of a difference. In, in uh, computer synthesis, like for music, for example, which, which I often use, mm-hmm. if you press a key on a key, keyboard and you hear the sound that it's meant to be making more than like six or eight milliseconds later, it feels like um, there's a delay there. It doesn't right. feel like it's happening at the same time. Uh, and obviously, it's of course rendering on screens if there's any LCDs and stuff takes now five or six milliseconds is, is fairly normal, isn't it? So. Yeah, in fact, uh, the article confirms that LCDs are significantly slower than CRTs mm-hmm. um, because they're, all, they're obviously doing all this digital processing. They're taking the signal in, they're resizing it, then they're putting it on the screen. And that can actually take two or three frames for the LCD just to process the picture to get it back up on the screen. So there's a lag mm-hmm. even in the screen, which I thought was quite interesting. There was quite a lot of that going on at EFRA, actually. I mean, there, I saw some sort of 3D gaming experiences where they were doing... Mm-hmm. 1080p output I guess from like PlayStation 3 there's some clips not so much playing but more clips I suppose um, with obviously shutter glasses mm. um, but uh, yeah I mean lag, lag will always be important and I think that's the thing I suppose the consoles must have some pretty good hardware support in to make that work yeah absolutely I mean, every, every part of the chain is important. Obviously, you know, the game itself doing the calculations of where all the baddies are and who's firing what and what's happening and is he turning around and, you know, there's obviously a lot of processing going on there, but it's surprising how much other parts of the system are actually adding Maybe to that. Maybe that's my problem with the shoot-em-ups. So there's just too much lag in my display. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's my <laughs> excuse too. <laughs> it's not me. I thought initially the article was about ping time in multiplayer games. Well, this, is, a, this is one of those things. I, I mean... Uh, although uh, one, 150 milliseconds doesn't sound like uh, all that long, in computing terms, it's actually quite a long time. Uh, well, I know so certainly when I've ever played online multiplayer gaming, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got a ping time more than sort of 25 milliseconds for your 
mm-hmm. TCP packets, you're, you know, you're dead. You're dead meat before you can even move your shot. <laughs> yeah, before that even happens. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, if you, yeah, exactly. And, and that, so it makes a difference in terms of how the game feels and in terms of how p- other people can update the server before you. Uh, but there's, there's a few uh, gaming enterprises that we've talked about before where the actual gaming uh, video, if you like, is generated at a, at a server off in the cloud somewhere. Mm. And uh, your PC is just just sitting there rendering the actual video it's been sent. So uh, if you can get some uh, supercomputers able to process that quick enough, then presumably you can actually have, there's quite a bit of time to actually get that data down to uh, the end user if you've got 150 milliseconds to play with. Mm. Well, I mean, basically it comes down to, you know, you've got to have, it's not just the game experience, it's how quick it responds. Uh, I did have a little go on a game, um, I think we talked about it briefly, a game called... um, Game Family, which is a bizarre right. kind of, it looks a bit like a kind of a discus that you, it's like an iPod dock, right. but it actually is a game console, uh-huh. uh, which can sort of coincidentally play your songs and video from your iPhone, right. or iPod. Uh, and I think it uses the, you'd use the iPhone app store to buy games, but then right. this device accesses the game binaries and uses them to play them back and it's got kind of like a Wii style remote control okay um so that sounds cool yeah I mean I tried to play darts and things like that it didn't work very well because there were two of them <laughs> I must say <laughs> and they said all oh, the controllers must be interfering with each other oh um, right but you know it's, it's pretty reasonable it's only like 80 euros plus tax okay a, cool so if you want to have a sort of Wii style experience and you happen to have an iPhone or an iPod mm-hmm. touch in the family you can do that yeah and uh, very cool even third-party developers in the iGame SDK. There we go. Oh, there's an SDK for everything these days. <laughs> exactly. So that's quite interesting. So gaming style, I've bought, uh, I bought a new, new game for my PS3, but it, uh, mm-hmm. it's a 300 megabyte software upgrade before I can play it. So uh, oh. my wet piece of string broadband, that's going to take a while. <laughs> what um, game did you get? Oh, it's, I can't remember the name of it, to be honest. It's uh, Resist, Resistance Fall of Man 2. Quite an old one, but apparently a goodie. Nah, so, it's supposed to be a classic. Yes, I shall have a go on that one. <laughs> um, so other stuff. Now, we mentioned the mm-hmm. bicycle action. Um, I'm yeah, still waiting for the, my bicycle to come together. Mm-hmm. Still, yeah, we're always interested in and uh, you found an Antipodean beauty. <laughs> yes. I mean, we're always interested in uh, stories that use technology in uh, eco-friendly ways. And uh, here's one where... <laughs> if you don't mind looking a little bit crazy. Um, Interesting, this um, this reporter is called Mark Large, or there's a photo by this guy called Mark Large. <laughs> My print is particularly poor, so this guy looks a bit large and foolish. But, uh. <laughs> well, it, it's about a bike, and it's electric. It's an electric bike, uh, and it kind of looks like, it looks, it, they reckon it's like a bit like a penny farthing because the, the front wheel is bigger than the back wheel, but well, I think it, it looks more like a tricycle. Right, it? It's like a big wheel and a little wheel. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's and pretty, I mean, it's, it's what, two and a half kilowatt electric motor. It's not bad. But that's, uh, that's big. <laughs> yeah. I What's think your, I might have that it? wrong. I think it's maybe 250 watt, maybe. Kilowatt's pretty But there. it's called the Yike Bike. It looks very interesting. <laughs> I think it's great. You, you just got to see the picture. It's fantastic. It's, um, <laughs> so you steer it with your hands beside, uh, on, by your side. There's no kind of front steering wheel. And uh, there's no way to pedal from what I can gather. You just kind of sit there and it Yeah, and it's also illegal for UK use on the roads. Right. But Which I think all stems back to the, the Sinclair C5. 
which was deemed to be dangerous. So someone said, oh, let's make all these dangerous small electric things right. illegal or something. Okay. But, um, so the idea behind this is you can cruise around on your, on your bike and then it folds up into a pouch that's... I mean, to be fair, it's not a small pouch, but it's, you know, a pouch Yeah, the guy does look like he's struggling somewhat. <laughs> he does, rather, it says. I think the pouch yeah. needs wheels. <laughs> That's right. Good plan. Actually, no, it's a 1.2 kilowatt. Oh, it's, it's a little bit. front wheel. Well, it says the Yoke bike can be folded into a bag and at 22 pounds, and what's 22 yeah, pounds? Yeah, which is bad. I mean, that's a bit lighter than my, my uh, sort of magnesium frame bikey thing. Yeah, not a lot. So, uh, and it's an easy package to carry around anyway. So, would you could you see, see yourself riding one of these, James? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the main problem here. I'd like to have a go on one. But, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it's, it also, be, it's a bit like a recumbent. Have you ever had a go on a recumbent bicycle? No, no, no me neither. Because you look a bit of a knob on that as well. <laughs> you do bicycle, look like a complete idiot. But uh, I think the problem is it might have a one point two kilowatt electric motor, but um, it has a range of only six miles. So, and you can't pedal it. And you can't pedal. So once you've gone your six miles, you're carrying it anyway. <laughs> you've got to carry it's it got a bag. <laughs> yeah. hmm. Will it fit in my garage? Says the article. Yes, and your cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> and while, while we're on the other topic, other stuff mm-hmm. I saw at Aoife, there was um, I was tempted to buy one. There was like a there was a little Chinese stall selling these things that did um, mm-hmm. like a kissing indicator, a kissing which was indicator. a thing about the size of a you know a quarter for Americans or a. 20 pence piece which mm-hmm. you press the little button and then you breathed on it right or bro breathe breathe on it and then the lights came on to tell you whether you were kissable or don't even think about it <laughs> uh, and inter- interestingly they had another one which was an alcohol detector mm-hmm. and you could actually have a swig of rice wine and then blow on it right um, but uh, did you try this no, I, I didn't. I thought, well, I, you know, I was fully minty breathed up for the trade show, but it still said I was unkissable, so clearly it was rubbish. So. Oh, well. <laughs> but, uh, Good work. That's, that's it, but I'm sure there'll be more EFA news coming out. It's not over yet. Um, and, uh, Indeed. Well worth a, a, a trip next year if you get to go. Yeah, I think I'm going to put myself down for that one. That sounds great. Avoid the push chairs at the weekend. Ah, yes, indeed. When it's all very, very busy. How long does it actually go for? It sounds like quite a long show. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's quite... Uh, and very well organised as well, I say. The Germans know how to run their, their shows. Mm, very and sick. No complaints there. And uh, we've got IBC next week. I'm going to be going along to that, see what's uh, yep. up there and about. Hopefully I'll have a chance to, to look around as well. Might be some uh, Great. interesting innovations. Uh, I think good. 3D is going to be a big theme there. Oh, I think so too. Um, so we'll see, see if I can be wowed. Excellent. All right, James, I think that pretty much wraps us up for Indeed. episode 115. So uh, we'll be back on the coach, couch, couch, back on the couch, back on the couch next week. Um, and so do send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, it's goodbye from me, James. And goodbye from Ian. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>